Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. And we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, and we're going to go on past that. Um, But before I start, uh, like I said, holiness covers a broader area than what we what we think. Holiness is about a relationship with God. Um, I, I, through, and I've pastored almost 30 years, and I know that through the years, uh, sometimes people um, will walk with God in, in ways of, uh, you know, connecting with him as long as the pastor tells them everything to do. Um, as long as, of course, their pastor's teaching, pastor's preaching, and there's a lot of teaching that goes forth in a sanctuary, in a church service, and that is important. But there's other areas we've got to consider. It's got to come down to us making the decision and digging into the Word of God for ourselves and building a relationship with the Lord because holiness uh, covers everything. It, it, it covers the inside first. We've got to get holiness on the inside first before we can have holiness affect everything outside of us. It's got to get in our heart. It can't just get in our mind and knowledge, which we do need the knowledge of the scripture, but it can't just be in here. It's got to get in here. When it gets in the heart, it affects everything that we do. And in our relationship with God, uh, we need to have that relationship so strong in love uh, for the Lord that, and when we get to that point where our love relationship is so strong in the Lord, and I mentioned this last week, then holiness is not going to be a hard thing. It is not going to be hard for us to, um, to, to live the way God wants us to live. And that's the thing about holiness. It's and we read the scriptures about uh, what God loves, we love. And what God hates, we hate. We don't hate sinners by any means. We hate the sin that is destroying their lives. That's what we hate. And so we want to be able to love people, reach out to people, be merciful to people, thank the Lord he was loving to us, and thank the Lord he was merciful to us. And we need to spread that love and that mercy to others. Amen? Um, people need help. And I know how I was, and I know how you, you have got the same testimonies in your life that there were some hard times in your life, struggles in your life. But um, God has made provisions for us to be able to get back up and continue to walk and continue to... Uh, God's given us a blessing of having a church body. We need the church body. Of course, most important, we need God. But we need the church body to help each other up. The Bible says, uh, I need to reach down and pick people up and help them because there's going to be a time that I'm going to need someone to help me up. Amen? So, holiness is a very powerful thing, but it covers a broader area. And, uh, And not just 
the, the small thing that you think it is, and that's important, but it's a broader area than what you think. It's about our, our, our disciplines in our life and our walk with God and our relationship with God. So um, talking about things God loves and things, things God hates, these are the scriptures that I gave to you. Uh, to walk in holiness, uh, God wants us to live by the things that he loves because he knows it's going to help us. And these are things that are required for us to get to heaven, too, because it says it in the scriptures. Uh, we all want to make it to heaven, don't we? And uh, we, we want to live according to the word of the Lord. Now, sometimes when we think that we can do it on our own, and I got my own plan, God, I know you're going to accept it. You're okay with my plan. We're going to fail. But when we walk according to God's word, we're not going to fail. We might fall flat on our face at times. We all have at some point or another. But we're going to get back up. We've got a church body that's going to help us. We've got a God that cares about us. He's going to be there to lift us back up. He cares about us. We're his children. We're his creation. So talking about the things that God loves and things God hates, if God loves it, we need to love it, and if God hates it, we need to hate it. So in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, Brother Arnold's going to put these up on the screen here for you to be able to read, or if you've got your Bible, if you want to follow along. Um, it says in Proverbs these six things doth the Lord hate. <clears throat> and then he goes on and says, Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Abomination uh, has several definitions here, but it also means something God hates. Abomination. Um, so these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And listen to the listings here. A proud look. What does the Bible say about pride? Pride cometh before a fall. When we think that we know it all and we're trying to help God out, we got pride. When we think we know more than everybody else, we got pride. When we think that, that uh, nobody can tell us anything new or anything to do because we got it all figured out, we got pride. Pride cometh before a fall. When we get to that point where we feel that we, we have it all figured out and we got, a, we got all knowledge on everything, trust me, I've been living for the Lord, and I'm, I'm 61 years old. I've been living for the Lord for uh, several years. Since 1977, I received the Holy Ghost. But the thing about it, I'm still learning. I won't know it all until I get to heaven when God opens up and reveals all the great things that he wants to reveal to us, I don't know everything, and, and you don't either. We're still learning. Every time I read the word of the Lord, the Lord shows me something new. He shows me something fresh. And uh, I, I, I thank the Lord for the freshness of the word of God. But a proud look. The Bible says God hates it. So if God hates it, we need to hate it, and we need to push that out of our life. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that I just hate it and I continue to walk that way. It means that I hate it and I'm trying to discipline myself to get it out of my life. The next thing that he hates is a lying tongue. Some people will look at lying like, uh, okay, there is uh, white lies, there's black lies, there's gray lies. 
where in the world did that come from? Because it did not come from the Bible. It, it didn't come from the Bible. It came from uh, people that are trying to make excuses for lying and think that it's okay. Well, I helped somebody by lying. No, uh, I tell you how you can help people is tell the truth. But God hates a lying tongue. And trust me, people know when others are lying. I mean, you might think you're hiding it, but pe people know when you're lying. So God hates a lying tongue. Another thing is uh, the Lord hates hands that shed innocent blood. Uh, we don't, we're not in this thing to destroy people. We're here to help people, encourage people. Do you realize that, you know, of course, and we'll talk about it in some of the scriptures here, but the Bible talks against murder. We know that's wrong. It's terrible for someone to take someone's life. There's so much murder going on in our world today. Uh, but do you realize that you can murder somebody and they can still be alive by words that you say? You can destroy somebody. Matter of fact, you can't retract that word back a lot of times. You say some certain things that hurt people and, and they, they get to where they, they hold on to it and it, and it, and it kills them spiritually, emotionally, it kills them and it hurts them. And it, it doesn't have to be with a gun or a knife. We can kill people by words we say and beat them down to where they feel like that there's no sense in life anymore and no sense in living anymore. They give up. So the Lord hates uh, hands that shed innocent blood. And I know it goes a lot further than that, uh, but but he does not he does he doesn't like that he hates it the bible says another thing is he hates an heart that deviseth wicked imaginations sometimes people are trying to come up with wicked imaginations to try to hurt other people you know what that is it's just simply the devil rising up in somebody wanting them to to uh, operate in wicked ways to hurt somebody else God hates that. You know, God is not for us to be against each other. There's a scripture I was reading here uh, this past week. It was talking about the brethren uh, need, and this is not the exact quotation, but it says that the brethren, talking about the church, the people of God, we need to be able to be there to unify together, encourage one another, love one another, be merciful to one another. But it was also talking in one of the scriptures that we could, we could beat each other up and we can destroy each other by simply uh, being disunified and being, uh, having a hatred and a heart toward people. The Lord is wanting us to be together. We, we, we want to be a family together. You know, the greatest thing in America today, uh, if someone would just say, hey, why don't we all get together? I know it's a hard thing to do to bring people together, but... But in our world, if we could just have government officials that would say, let's just all come together. I know we have all kinds of different beliefs and thoughts and thinking, but hey, we can come on some common ground here. God wants us to unify together and be unified together to help one another. What a stronger America we would have. What a stronger world we would have if we could unify together. And as we've mentioned before, if people had love like the Lord has love, um, if people would have love 
uh, like he wants us to have in Scripture and Galatians even, uh, love for one another, what kind of world we have. We would, there would be no more war. I realize Revelation is going to come to pass. The reason is, the reason why Revelation has to come to pass and the struggle in our world and the, and the fighting and, the, and the, the killing and all this stuff's going on is because people are not following God's plan, God's will, God's way. Satan's got his hand in this to stir things up of hatred toward one another. Um, the Bible says, you will know my disciples for their love one against each other, right? Is that what it says? One against each other? I know. I'm glad you caught that. It's, you will know my disciples for their love one for another, one toward another. That's the scripture. So that's what the Lord wants. But he hates a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief. He also hates a false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. Sometimes lies bring discord. Some of the, some of the greatest divisions come when people have a misunderstanding about something, about somebody else. And you form them an, op an opinion about them. And you get to the point where you have something against somebody, and then I've heard of it years later, they find out, well, that wasn't even in the truth. I've been living this lie all this time and thinking that they were thinking this about me. You know, like if the pastor doesn't shake your hand, don't think that I am, uh, uh, I, I'm upset at you or mad at you or hate you or whatever. I might just uh, uh, need to get uh, some, I need to take care of some business here or do something else that needs... But trust me, I want, I want to reach out. I want to be there for you. But just because something happened, don't make an opinion about it. And, and I'm not just talking about me, but anybody. We could have a misunderstanding about somebody and get to a point where we feel like that they've got something against us or they, they, they don't like us. And how many people have lived their life for years and had such a misunderstanding of something that it just wasn't true at all. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Give people the benefit of the doubt. You know what? I, and I try to do this. Sometimes people might have been through a bad time that week. Let me ask the question. Has anybody ever had a week that you had a whole lot of bad things happen and you were miserable? Raise your hand. Everybody could raise their hand. Try to take into consideration that they might have went through a very hard time. The boss might have been a total, uh, 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 I hate to say we're idiot, but I'm going to say it anyway. He might have been a total, total idiot. He might have he had a bad day, and he comes in and starts attacking everybody. And uh, I've, I've had that happen before to me. Uh, I've had a boss cuss me out. And I just walked out the door, and he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. I said, when you talk to me like an adult instead of a child, I'll listen to you. And I've, ha I've had that. I've, we've all been down those roads. It's been years ago that that happened. Um, but, you know, what was he going through? 
I, and I found out later, he was going through a whole lot. Yes, he apologized to me. He told me I'm sorry. Um, and uh, he was a total different guy after I walked out the door. <laughs> and he was, he was nice as can be. But I know in his life he was going through some really difficult, hard times. We need to give people the benefit of the doubt and fight for unity. And that's what God wants. The things he hates is he that soweth discord among the brethren. If we're sowing discord among the brethren, God does not like that. He hates it because he wants unity. He wants a bonding with his body, with the church, with the body of Christ. Not just our church, but around the world. He wants unity. So these are things that God hates. So if God hates these things, that's a part of holiness also. It's a part of holiness that if God hates it, we need to hate it. So what does that mean? We've got to work on it in our lives. If these things are a part of our lives, we need to work on those and, and put those out of our lives because we don't want God to hate the things that are in our lives. Amen? Okay, so let's go to Galatians 5, 14, 26. Here's a few more things God hates. And then we're going to talk about some things God loves. <coughs> the reason why he hates these things is because he knows it's going, to <coughs> excuse me, it's going to hurt the body of Christ or hurt us individually. But the things that he loves, he knows that they're going to help us and bless us. Galatians 5, 14 through 26. We'll talk about the things that the Lord does not like here first. But before we get to that, verse 14, um, this is a very vital scripture in the Bible, important for holiness. And that is, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, the one word he's talking about is love. And then when he said one word, even in this, he was saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, I know a lot of times pastors, preachers will say, hey, say hi to your neighbor next to you. I always thought that was funny. Hey, neighbor, you have people sitting around you. I want you to look over them and tell them, I love you in the Lord. I love you in the Lord. <laughs> I love you in the Lord. Neighbor. <laughs> so if we're wanting to fulfill the law of the Lord, it's summed up in one word, love. Okay, take the Ten Commandments, for instance. Now, this is holiness. This is a part of holiness. If we, if we have love in our hearts, then when you look at the Ten Commandments, you're not going to murder somebody in physical murder or emotional murder or um, verbal murder. You're not gonna, if you love them, you're not going to try to hurt them. If you love them, you're not going to try to lie against them. You're not going to, you know, when you can go down all the list of the Ten Commandments, all the things that the, is the law of God, 
And what sums it all up, if you love God and you love your neighbor or you love those, not just your family, but those around you, then you're not going to try to hurt them. It all sums up in love. Love relationship. When you love God, you're going to want to live by the commandments of the Lord. So that's what it's all about. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, here's the scripture I was reading, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another of, of another. We can consume each other by biting and devouring with our words, with our actions. Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. If there is a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit in your life, maybe you might stop and check in an altar or in the word of God as maybe the flesh is too strong in your life and it needs to come under subjection. And that the spirit needs to become stronger than the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is all the things contrary to God and what he wants. But the spirit, when we're led by the spirit, is what God wants. It's what God wants. So it says here, for us to be able to correct this, even in the, the thought of loving our neighbor and also biting and devouring one another, uh, and not being consumed one another, then we need to walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh is to destroy people, hurt people, even hurt yourself, sin, ungodly things in your life. Because the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. It's a constant battle going on there. So if we, got too, we, if we have too much flesh, too strong a flesh in our, that's controlling our thoughts, our, our heart, <coughs> our, um, um, our, our life, and we're acting upon what the flesh wants, we're going to have a struggle spiritually. <coughs> we will have a struggle spiritually. If you're trying to figure out why you can't live for God the way you need to, you've got to get the flesh under subjection. You've got to walk in the Spirit. Amen. Because they're contrary one to the other. And then it goes on, says, so that you cannot do the things that you would. What does that mean? The things that you would, because you know what you should do. We all know what we should do. Sometimes we don't do it. And sometimes it's a hard struggle to get it done because the spirit in our walk with God and relationship is not strong enough, but the flesh is controlling everything. It's got to be changed where the spirit has got to be stronger and the flesh has got to be put in its place so that we can walk in the spirit. Amen? 
We've got to get this thing in the right perspective here, exactly the way God wants it. It's part of holiness. It's part of holiness. Verse 18, but if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, you're not under the law of the flesh. I'm not saying that you, you, you don't have to listen to the Word of God anymore. No, that's what, not what the Bible's saying. It's saying you're not under the law of the flesh. There is a law of the flesh. And there's also a law of the Spirit. So, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. How do you get led by the Spirit? By building a close relationship with God in prayer, in the Word, in the house of God, in worship, being faithful to His house, being faithful to His presence, walking in His uh, things that He loves and, and, and abhorring the things that He hates, and, and walking in the way that God wants us to walk. When we walk in the Spirit like that, we're not under the we're not under the law of the flesh. It doesn't have the control that it wants to have in our life. If we're walking in the flesh, it's going to lead us away from God. It's going to lead us away from a close relationship with God. Because when we're walking in the flesh, we're going to be doing everything that pleases the flesh, which is sin. Everything. And it leads us away from God. Um, <coughs> Satan, <coughs> Satan wants us to... <coughs> he, Satan wants us to walk away from God. Satan wants us to love him, not God. But who would want to love someone like that who wants to destroy and kill people? God is the giver of life. Satan's the one that, and he doesn't give death, but he convinces people that they need to give their life to the flesh and let, it, let sin lead its course to where that the wages of sin is death. That's what Satan's all about. Who wants to love that? That's what's sad about our world today. There's a lot of people that love death. Matter of fact, when you go to the book of Revelation and you look at the, all the horses, the, 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 the pale horse, you look up the definition of the pale horse, it's, it's green, which is a symbol of what people are trying to do today <clears throat> is promote death, and that's their symbol. It's being poured out right now. In a world today, death, um, that is not of God. It is not of God at all. But if we be led by the Spirit, we are, you are not under the law. <clears throat> and then he goes in and he begins to describe the works of the flesh. And this has a lot of tentacles that go a lot of different directions. In Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 19, you can read it here. Now the works of the flesh, think about these because... If we have these things in our life, we need to clear them out. <clears throat> we need to overcome them, okay? Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now, the word manifest here in the Greek means openly, outwardly. 
it's manifested uh, openly and outwardly. And it's spread abroad is another definition of manifest. So what's inside affects the outside. It become, what we, if we have a, a, uh, the works of the flesh in our heart, trust me, it's going to come to the outside. It's going to affect what we say, what we think, what we do, everything about our life. It, what's inside is eventually going to come outside. So if we have godly things in us, it's eventually going to come outside and affect us in everything we do. So manifest means uh, the works of the flesh are manifest. These things are coming forth openly, outwardly, spread abroad, and what's affected the inside, the flesh, is affecting the outside also. <clears throat> and here's the works of the flesh, the listing of them. First of all, adultery. It's when two people have sexual relationships and at least one is married. That's adultery. Uh, the next one is fornication. Fornication is also connected with adultery. Uh, it's also sexual relationship outside of marriage. And it's interesting to note here that the Greek word for fornication goes a little further than that and it shows what we're being affected even today. Uh, fornication even goes into the definition of homosexuality, lesbianism, um, incest, and it leads into a lot of other very ungodly uh, sexual sins. That's fornication. These are the works of the flesh. The next one is uncleanness. What does uncleanness mean? It means, in a moral sense, it means the impurity of lustful living and impure motives, uncleanness. The impurity of lustful living and impure motives. It's very interesting to me that the things that happen in a world here recently has to do with murder, death, has to do with uh, rape, sexuality, has to do with a lot of very terrible, terrible things. It's the works of the flesh. It's, it's satanic. It's evil of what they have done to other people. It's very evil. But these are the works of the flesh. The next one is lasciviousness, lasciviousness. Listen to the definition of what lasciviousness is. Unbridled lust, unbridled lust. To me, okay, when you have a horse that has a bridle on it, you can pretty well steer that horse where if it's broke. You can steer that horse whatever way you want to lead it because it's bridled. If you don't have a horse bridle, that, that horse is out of control to you. You can't control it. But that horse is uh, on its own, does whatever it wants to do. But when they get the bridle on it, then you have a little bit more control over that horse. Anybody ever dealt with horses? Okay. So you, so you know that if you've got a bridle on it, you could 
pretty well, unless it's stubborn as call get out, then, uh, you know, you can try to train it and get it to it. But when you got the bridle on, you have a whole lot better chance of control of that horse. It's the same thing with unbridled lust. Lasciviousness is unbridled lust, no control over it. And it also has another definition, meaning shamelessness. Even with lust, shamelessness, not, not even have shame in that. But there's no control over it. It's just, it's just a constant attack. And it's gone unbridled, and it has, you have no control over it. That's lascivious. That's the works of the flesh. Then the next one is idolatry. These are things that God does not want in our lives. Idolatry, which means worship of false gods, image worship. Worship of false gods, image worship. I also uh, add to this uh, idolatry or worshiping of idols is really could be just anything that you put between you and God. Anything you put between you and God can be an idol, an idol worship. The next one is witchcraft. Okay, witchcraft, it's very interesting, the definition, because it goes in so many different directions. What do we think of when we think of witchcraft? Some, uh, you know, some witch with a black hat comes to a point. Uh, she's got a nose that's got a crook on it, and it's got a little wart on the end of the, and she rides a broomstick, and she's got pointed sh black shoes, and uh, she laughs with a real shrieky, terrible laugh, and uh, what's that? I'm not going to say it. I thought you might illustrate for us. Okay. Um, but when you think of, of witchcraft, you think, you know, you know, she's sitting at a pot and she's got a stick and she's stirring the thing, you know, and trying to make up all kinds. But listen to what the definition of witchcraft is. It's, it's more close to home than what we can imagine. Witchcraft is the use or the administering of drugs. Poisoning, which that can be the even, you know, poisoning of drugs. And I, there's, in our county, in the Madison County, there's a lot of young people that are getting caught up in drugs and people are administering it to them and they're dying. <clears throat> And they're being poisoned. And they get into these uh, where they're addicted to drugs and they can't get away from it. It's such a bondage and such a demon attack. <clears throat> but witchcraft, it also goes on. And matter of fact, poisoning could also be poisoning someone's mind with deceptions and lies also. That's the spirit of witchcraft. Um, sorcery, it even says. Uh, talks about magical arts, often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it, by idolatry. It also, witchcraft is described as the deceptions and seductions of idolatry. Something that comes between us and God. The deceptions of that. These are the works of the flesh that God hates. The next word was hatred, it means enmity or hostility, hatred. Hate. There's a lot of hate going on in our world today that needs to be 
shut down. And trust me, church, we have more power in this than what we realize. We cannot go out, and we don't have the, the artillery to do it, but we've got greater artillery than what you could have with a gun, knife, sword, whatever. And that is the power of prayer. The power of prayer and the power of speaking the word of God. There's power in that. And calling on the name of Jesus and pleading the blood of Jesus. We have power. Church, if the devil wants, he wants you to think that you don't have power. I'm telling you, he doesn't want you to pray. He, that Satan doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to read the word of God. He doesn't want you to, to walk in the spirit. He doesn't want you to be in the house of God. He, Satan doesn't want these things because he knows how much power it has against him and hell and his plans. So, he doesn't want you to realize that. We have more power than what we can realize, but we've got to put it into action. You have to put it into action. You might think that when you get up in the morning, you pray or you lay down before you go to sleep at night and pray or sometime during the day that it's just not going anywhere. We've talked about this. You've heard it before. Go back and read in the book of Revelation where they pour out the vial. And it is the prayers of the saints that are stored up. Every prayer that you pray, there's power in that prayer. It is not going unheard. God hears it. Matter of fact, and I, I, I'm thanking the Lord here because it seems like here just a, maybe the last month, it seems like there's a, been a lot of prayers that I've been praying that God has answered. And I thank God for that. I'm so grateful for that. But even if he doesn't answer, I'm going to keep praying, keep believing, keep trusting God. Because there's power in that. A church that prays can overcome this world. And as I've said before, you know, we, we often get into this mental thinking that the book of Revelation is going to come to pass any way, no matter what I do. So why should I even try? These things are going to happen. No, I'm telling you, church, we've got to get this mentality, thought that in our minds, in our hearts, that, hey, we are the salt of the earth. The church is the salt of the earth, a preservative to this world. So as long as we are here, we need to do our job in prayer as a preservative to the world. The things that are holding back all of the evil, uh, ungodly things in this world today is the church that prays. And the church that has a relationship with God, a church that prays, we're going to see some great things happen. But as long as we are here, we are going to be a preservative. Now, when we're gone, the world's going to do what it's going to do. But as long as we're here, we're going to take the authority and power that God has given us. Amen? We're going to take that. Uh, the next word, variance, means contention, strife, wrangling, debate. God doesn't want that. That's the acts of the flesh. We need to be unified. We need to be loving and caring, compassionate toward one another and encouraging one another and strengthening, not wrangling, not debating, not in strife, not in contention. Uh, the next one is emulations. means envious and contentious rivalry or jealousy. That's not unity. The works of the flesh is not unity. It's division. 
Uh, the next one is wrath, the works of the flesh. It means to be angry. It also means heat. Possibly heat in that anger. Anger forthwith boiling up and soon subsiding again. Another definition of it is fierceness. That's the work of the flesh. Next one is strife. It means a desire to put oneself forward. A desire to put oneself forward. Contentious. Strife. What does that say to us right there? When we're trying to put ourselves ahead of everybody else, we're going to have division, we're going to have strife. Because we want our own way. We want our own way. The next word of the works of the flesh is seditions. It means division and disunion. It's one of the things God hates. The next one is heresies. It means dissensions arising from diversity of opinions and aims. Dissensions arising from diversity of opinions and aims. The next one is envyings, which is jealousy. Jealousy is as cruel as the grave, the Bible says. The next one is murder, works of the flesh. Slaughter physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. You can kill people in many different ways. Slaughter physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. The next one is drunkenness, which means intoxication, works of the flesh. And then another one is revelings, which is rioting. Rioting. So when I look at all of these things in the works of the flesh, I see division. I see disunity. I, I see uh, within our world we could see the disunity and the division and how much of a struggle and problem our world's in right now. That's what it's all about. It's the works of the flesh. It's the works of, of sin. It's the works of uh, uh, the plans of Satan to divide people. But when we're unified, then that's the works of the Spirit. <clears throat> it brings us together. Uh, a church can function so much greater and so much better when we're unified together. We're praying together. We love one another. We're a landmark family. We're, we're here together. We're working together. But the power of God's Spirit moving among us, what greater revival we can have as we continue to walk in unity in the Spirit. And then the, the things that, and I'll, I'll bring this to a close on this, but uh, the next portion of verses in the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 5, uh, is verse 22 through 26. And these are the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what God desires of his people, is the fruit of the Spirit. It says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, there's that word again, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. In other words, 
against these things. There's no law of the flesh that can control these things when we have these things in our spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And then verse 24 says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And notice here again, as I read, verse 24, it, we want to be like Christ, right? We want to be a Christian. Really, the word Christian is used so loosely anymore in our world. It seems like many people are Christians, but it does, they don't bear the fruit of Christianity. And I, I've talk, taught about this before. You know, I know that we, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, they received the Holy Ghost. They spoke in another tongue. That was a, a sign of the Holy Ghost to the unbeliever. Uh, they spoke in another language. And that is a big part of it. We know when people start speaking in tongues, they, they are receiving the Holy Ghost. But there's another sign that I've talked about before that we've got to remember is that you, it, when you really get God, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit in the Spirit. When you really get God and there's change, you're going to, you're going to bear some fruit. And what fruit is that? Is it Envyings, murders, drunkenness? Do, do we continue the way we always have been in sin? Do we have wrath? Do we try to divide people? Do we um, manifest adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lascivious? No, no, not, not all those things. What are we talking about when we receive the Holy Ghost? Yeah, we speak in tongues. That's a sign. But we should also bear fruit. When someone really gets the Holy Ghost, I mean when they really, really get the Holy Ghost, and it gets through their heart, mind, and soul. It begins to reverberate through their life. When, we, and when someone really gets the Holy Ghost, there is a change. <clears throat> and they begin to love people, not divide people. They begin to have a joy and a peace there. I, you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me, if you've received the Holy Ghost, you remember that day when it really got a hold of you you felt a love for people. I remember how it was. I felt a love that I didn't have for people. I looked at everything differently. I just The whole world changed in front of me when I received the Holy Ghost because it, it isn't, didn't just uh, you know, uh, come as something I said I got. No, I, I, I got it, I, and you got it. You got a powerful experience in your life, and you began to see people in a different light. You began to love them. You began to have a joy in your heart and a peace in your heart that was like no other peace. You, you didn't have it. You could be, you could be in a, a room with a thousand people before you came to God, and, and you felt, still felt lonely around a thousand people. But, but when you finally find God, you felt like you were not alone anymore. You felt like the Lord was with you, which he was. He is. Amen. You felt love. You felt joy. You felt peace. You felt long-suffering. It's not just cutting people off. It's just being merciful to people and have a long-suffering with people. You had gentleness that became a part of your life. You had a, a goodness uh, in your life. And uh, you had a faith 
in God. It was so strong. You had a meekness and, and, and a temperance in your life that changed. It, and trust me, meekness does not mean weakness. In the scope of what the, the business world is, if you have meekness, then sometimes you've got a weakness. You've got you to uh, push people to the limit. You've got you to climb up the ladder and push other people down and pull people down as you're climbing up. No, that's not what it is. Meekness and, and living for God is pushing people up and pulling people up below you. Let's all go up together. We're going to unify. Because everything in the flesh, the works of the flesh, is about disunity and it's about attacks against other people and it's about hurting other people to get yourself ahead you're old number one no we're all on this thing together David the king one of the greatest kings of Israel said I am just a worm because he realized in his own compared to God he realized I'm nothing without you God and yeah, he had to go through a lot of experiences and a lot of struggles, but he found out, I'm nothing without you. And we have to realize this. We're all in this together. We all want to be happy and joyous and full of love and long-suffering, and we want to walk, we want to help people. I know your heart. I know my heart. But they that are Christ have crucified the flesh, put it down in its place, with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit where these gifts of the Spirit will come forth out of our lives and people will see it, they'll know it, they'll feel it, they'll feel your love, they'll feel your joy, they'll wonder, where, where are you getting this peace? Where, where, are, you, where are you getting this long-suffering, this gentleness that you've got, this goodness, this... This faith, this meekness, this temperance. Where, where are you getting this at? And some people will attack you for it because they are jealous because you got something and they don't. And sometimes they'll try to bring you down to their level because they don't want to climb up to the higher level because they don't feel like they can get there. But we are an example of the, of the walk of God, walking in the Spirit, that you can do this. Hey, come on, I'll help you get there. Let me show you where Jesus is. Let me show you who it is in, in my life that has brought all these things. It's the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. I'm going to close on that. But I know that uh, walking in the flesh is going to be division. But walking in the Spirit is going to be all of these beautiful things in God. It's going to be a life of happiness, victory. So if we're in that place where we're trying to figure out why I can't get where I need to be in God, maybe there's too much flesh going on there in our lives <laughs> that we got to deal with. And we got to crucify the flesh with the affections and lust and walk in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. We're going to go to the Lord again in prayer.